Good Hello. evening, everybody. Good morning. Good night. Ha- <laughs> Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And you're tuning in for another awesome episode. Uh, we hope you're having fun with the New Year episodes. Um, we put out that double feature, Terrible Patients, and we have had like unprecedented numbers. I don't know if it's the topic or just that we're gaining momentum, but it's been awesome to see. And we're so grateful to have you guys. People really seem to identify with terrible, terrible patients. No surprise <laughs> to anybody. Just, maybe we should just do a podcast of terrible just, patients. It's just called Terrible Patients. <laughs> I mean, it certainly is a hit. So um, anyway, so we're going to get started this week. We've had some feedback from some of our listeners. It seems like we have a pretty big audience of people that are still in nursing school, um, which I love because when people that are in nursing school are listening to our podcasts, they can kind of, (laughs) I don't know, maybe hear our cynicism. I was going to say, I feel nervous for them. (laughs) It's a lot. Well, but it's, it's honestly, good to learn it's the, real. the truth. Yeah. It's real. And I feel like we are probably a little bit jaded because we've been in nursing for several years, but we still like, I like, I still like my job. Yeah. And you still like your job. I do. So it's not like we're miserable nurses because there are some of those out there no, that are not, just miserable. We're not those. And we certainly wouldn't have made a podcast about nursing if we were. Right. I mean, we could have made a podcast about bitching about nursing, I guess, but... Well, I mean, that's... I feel like that's kind of what this is. It absolutely like, is, but not in the same way as those nurses. That's what I'll try and qualify. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I maybe will we're, say... Maybe that's not true, but I'm sorry <laughs> if it is. Uh-huh. The, the things that we talk about on a day-to-day basis, though... I feel are genuine problems facing the nursing world mm-hmm. today. And that was part of the reason we started this whole podcast was because um, Sarah and I used to call each other and talk about this stuff and have like these debates about these nursing issues. And finally, I was just like, we got to like put this out there because I know there's other people that are thinking about this, these things, thinking about the problems in nursing and I really try to be a solutions-oriented person, and one of the problems in the nursing world is that you, as a frontline staff nurse, you don't have a lot of power to affect change. No, not a great platform. Yeah, if you're like a really superior leader and you climb the ladder really quickly, maybe that's a different story, but that is not the common situation. No, and even in most situations too, it's going to be if you're affecting change, it's it's change within your your unit. And mm-hmm, that's such a small right. scope and ultimately we we as unit nurses don't have an opportunity to change policy and things like that because it comes from just so much higher up that it's really hard. You know, a lot of the bosses get to hang their hat on like, well, this is what we're being told has to be done, so that's why we're telling you that it has to be done. Right. And you don't get to know the so, why and you don't get to know the process that went behind making the decision if they even consulted any nurses and God only knows. Yeah. So I think that's part of the frustration with being a frontline staff nurse. And that's, I think that's probably why so many nurses complain about nursing as a whole. But there really are so many areas that really need a lot of improvement in order for nurses to take better care of their patients. And healthcare has moved so far away from. Mm-hmm. Like patient centered care, even though they all spout it's for the patients, 
It's not. Oh, gosh. I don't know what that noise was. I just <laughs> choked. <laughs> oh, my god! The last gracious. time we recorded, I swear to God, you could hear my stomach grumbling through the microphone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so anyway, so we'll get started on today's topic, which um, we don't want to we don't we want to be inclusive of our nursing school group, but we don't want to exclude all the people that are well beyond nursing school listening to us. So today we're going to call this podcast, Nursing School is Not Nursing. And we're going to go ahead and kind of take it from that angle. So, and hopefully that'll, alert that'll to give... all the nursing students. <laughs> it's not it's nursing. Not nursing. <laughs> so sorry. So Sarah, do you want to start off with um, like your experience going through nursing school and how that either prepared you for being a nurse, um, kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly of nursing school into the nursing world? Absolutely. So okay. I had a f- when I when we talked about this topic, I had a few immediate thoughts. Um, the first being that my nursing school, which was like a direct admit four year program, so I was never in like a regular like gen ed college and it was the most chaotic disorganized shameful excuse like it was a it's a good school and it truly was embarrassing like you wouldn't have any of your classes figured out by the time you had to be registering for them then you try and register they wouldn't have and this isn't about nursing specifically. This is this is just my school. Um, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have enough credits for everybody to sign up for. They wouldn't be correct. You'd have to cancel them and re-enroll in them. The teachers would never send anything correctly. I mean, it was it was literally I can't even explain to you what pure chaos it was. And so it created this environment of distrust and panic and already setting setting the bar that low, basically. And then I, you know, all, not not starting well, which maybe that's a secret preparation for what it's like to work in the real world. Maybe. I don't, maybe there's maybe, a, maybe, maybe there's they a have master the plan. Yeah, they must that's have. Right. Um, and then my second thought was the fact that our clinicals were so inappropriately short, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, you powwow while they're all getting report, it's the earliest you've ever been awake in your entire life. And you're looking around like, what the fuck am I doing here in this weird unit? And mm-hmm. you go meet your nurse who doesn't want you there. And, um, they've already gotten report cause you're trying to not be bothersome half the time. Maybe you're there for a report. Right. Maybe you're not walk around with them like a puppy for a little while. Maybe you pass some meds. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do a skill or something. You break for lunch you come back to do one or two things while you're running around looking for your clinical instructor so that you can pass a med or do something. And then you leave early so that you can powwow before it's time to be at the end of the day. Yeah. And it was so not an accurate capture of what it's like to have a normal day on the floor. And it wasn't yeah. until I had an externship. Your practicum. Your practicum. Your preceptor. Yeah. Yeah, your preceptorship or whatever. And that was when it finally made sense to me. Of Like, I would work mm-hmm. her 12s with her. Because that's mm-hmm. what nursing ultimately ends up being is 12s. And so when you're working in, at eight, an eight minus right. with someone who's working at 12, they haven't structured their day to get everything done for you to be experiencing it within eight hours. They've got 12 hours right. to fill. Well, but the other thing is, though, I would like to bounce off that kind of a little bit because so I don't know where where did you do your practicum? In the MICU. Okay. And so I did my practicum in the cardiovascular ICU. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you, even then, 
I didn't have a clue what was going on. No, because and if it's cardiovascular, it's cardiovascular ICU, and I know nothing. Well, and if the if your preceptor wasn't willing to really teach you, and just was like, because I felt like I taught was taught tasks, and they talked and talked and talked and talked about critical thinking, and ultimately, mm-hmm. of course, that is something that comes with time more than anything right. else. But like mm-hmm. the ICU in particular, and sorry if this is incendiary for people. But, and I'm not an ICU nurse by practice. I worked med surge, so everyone hush. Um, <laughs> the the ICU, because you have less patients and they, they ultimately are more complex in that way, there's so much more opportunity for learning within that in just a different way. And I originally so, had a preceptor who was willing to do that. And then she got hurt and they pawned me off on some other lady who couldn't have given less shits about me. And now I ended right. up making my own way. And I met with other nurses and we did, I did my best, but like, it was a very like ultimately disappointing practicum because of that. Okay. I take the complete reverse side on that. Oh, good for I you. do not, I do not think that the ICU is any place for a nursing student to do a practicum. I don't. Why? I think it's way because I think it's way over the head of a new grad. You think nurse. like they're too sick and it's too scary for them to really focus on learning? No, it's not scary. I think it's, I think it's something to the like when you are a new grad nurse, you have all these puzzle pieces of concepts and like you have med information over here in this box and you have patho over here in this box and you have, um like anatomy and physiology in this box and none of the boxes touch each other and they you don't make connections between the boxes and and that's the critical thinking aspect of it and that's no disrespect to a new grad nurse that is just no, how we come out of nursing that's exactly school. right that's i've never actually heard it put better so when you have a when you have somebody in the icu you have to correlate those boxes. Right. And I don't think that's a place for a new grad to, like, jump in and get the flow of what it's like to actually be a nurse. Well, there's because two ways you of can't... thinking. Because either you're teaching them the task-oriented nursing flow, that's, like, one type of clinical. The other is mm-hmm. how do we connect the boxes? I think you need well, to have both I... in school. Well, you're never going to get connecting the boxes in school because school's too short of a period of time to do it. And we've talked about this before and when we talked about mid-level providers, where your first year out of school, I would say, I think we, I said before, and I still stand by this, 12 to 18 months is really kind of task-oriented nursing. Mm-hmm. And then after that 12 to 18 month mark, depending on the person, depending on the unit, you start making correlations and connections and you start critically thinking more. And then that's when you really kind of start transitioning into like what a, like a deeper nurse, really, yeah, not just a task nurse. Yeah, and you stuff where you can be like, this is triggering a little like red flag in Experience. my mind. Yeah. yeah but, like I course. remember this happened before and this is how it went and I should have been looking mm-hmm. out for insert whatever here. That's why right. the idea that you're putting all these new grads on nights, again, my entire experience was like a billion new grads and me all starting together on nights. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we would give each other bad advice because we were just doing the best yeah. we could. Or there was one person who had been there 18 months to two years who is just now in that like box assembly moment, you know, who had to like be responsible for the 10 of us running around, not even 10, the six Mm -hmm. of us running around. A guy that I work with, um, 
at one facility. He was a nurse extern. Uh, I swear to God, it feels like a year ago. It's probably been a little bit more than that. But he's now charge nurse. Of course. And I'm just like, of course. this is bizarre. I feel like I was charge nurse um, in 15 minutes. I know. Yeah, but I mean, in this particular place, there's plenty of experienced nurses. Well, right. They just don't want to touch charge with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> yeah, that's how you got to get them in early so that they feel like it's an honor, but it's not an honor. I, don't get tricked. I know. <laughs> so, um, so going back to the whole nursing school thing, um, well, my nursing school, uh, f- well, first of all, I got my associate's degree in nursing because I had already had a bachelor's degree and, uh, and then further went on to get my master's. So, um, but my original nursing degree was an associate degree. So it was, you know, a two year program, um, where we had clinicals and I actually, the school I went to, I thought it was a really good school. Um, and in the area that I lived in, it, really gave the most clinical time of any of the other schools. Mm -hmm. And so I got decent clinical experience, but even still the clinical experience in no way, shape or form prepares you for what it's like to be a nurse. Like it gets you in the hospital. It gets you comfortable with like maybe how to use the computer system, how to start off charting. And honestly, the hardest Um, thing about being like, say you were never a tech, you've never done anything like that before. It's the, and we've talked about this before on this podcast, the intimidation Mm -hmm. of walking into a stranger's room with Mm -hmm. a level of confidence to perform whatever task you're in there for. You were saying that you stood in terror outside of the room. And I did, I've done the same thing, you know, walk in in the dark, try and take a blood pressure on the patient who's really, it's the husband in the bed. And I'm, you know, he's (laughs) like, nope, you got to go to the chair. It's not me. And like, you know, all sorts of embarrassing weird shit that goes on. Right. Yeah, uh, I I think if we're being very realistic, you have to have the nursing school to have the education to be a nurse because you need to know that patho, you need to know that pharma, you need to know that AMP. But if you really want to be a successful nurse, I think you got to go be a tech or an extern or whatever your place calls it um, and do that while you're in nursing school. That combined with the education that you're getting in school is going to prepare you way better than any clinical. And I'll tell you why. Because in the clinicals, and I have taught clinicals as well, all the students want to do IVs, Foley's, NG tubes. They want to mm-hmm. do the skills, right? Right. Because right. that's what they've been taught. What, are the, what is it called when you have to go perform a Foley insertion sterile to a... Oh, like your checkoffs check or competencies. That, oh or, my God. Yeah. I don't know why, how I could possibly have forgotten that word. Maybe that's a trauma <laughs> in me that's suppressing that out. word, blocked out that, that, that word, because I have, a, a I had my other thought was going to be about checkoffs, so we'll come back to it. But you're, you're taught like to be, to be prioritizing these skills that ultimately as a, as a nurse are like nothing tasks in the day that you have to do. Right. Exactly. So they're really not that big of a deal. And I think the students tend to put on, put so much emphasis mm-hmm. on the skills. They want to do the skills so bad. And I get it because you're excited to be in there and do the skills and they want to pass meds too. And you're Believe being told me. that these are the things that you have to care about in practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely have to care about med pass, but I think you have to more than caring about the task of med pass, you have to care about understanding the medications right. that you're giving. And what because, does this patient have that's causing this and what are they gonna how are they gonna interact together? Right. It's not just like a go in there and blindly administer meds because that is 
where we make mistakes and mm-hmm. uh so so from that perspective yeah i'm honestly i think clinical could probably be erased entirely oh and controversial. forget about the I know. Forget about the med pass and stuff. You can learn how to do that in your nursing orientation. I think you go to school to be a nurse, you get the education, and you work as you work as a tech. That's I think what I that's think. crucial for, and just to like move further on that. Yeah. Basically, and then like maybe just to overly summarize what you're saying of like, if you have a job as an aide or a tech where you're doing those skills, and and the things of like glucometers and cleaning patients up and learning how to do it quickly when you're able to then be a nurse practicing under your license those things are not Mm -hmm. going to bog down the the space that your brain needs to do other things right right I, I mean I remember and I think we've talked about this before too is I remember going in initially and I well particularly when I started in ICU but I did it on the floor too I, on my brains, you know, I would write out everything, but I would have like hourly checklists. Now, uh, my hospital system works on Epic now, and now Epic has this checklist for you, so you don't have to do it yourself. Although it has way too many things in the checklist, so it can be like overly complicated. But I mean, I had like what time I needed to do my I's and O's, and what time I needed to like, um, put my patient on a different side and like mm-hmm. turn my patient and right. what time I need to do my bath and what time hourly breakdown. And like, I would have colors for everything that meant everything. And right. Yeah. It was very tasky, mm-hmm. very tasky. Right. And then, you know, as you move along, like I don't carry brains with me. I don't write down rapport. I don't, I don't do any of that anymore. Like I know what the important things are that I need mm-hmm. to know. And I I know what I need to be following up on. Yeah, on you're always keeping track like of time and you know what time, you know, if, if I'm turning right. them on the evens, I know if I look up and it's, you know, getting close, like, right. you just don't need to. Now, I haven't been bedside in quite a hot minute, <laughs> but I know what you mean as far as like, you just have a bigger grasp of, of things and the minutia don't bog you down as much as it used to when, it, yeah. when you first started. Yeah. So what would you say... As far as like, okay, so we're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Nursing school is not nursing. Mm -hmm. So I guess what would you say the biggest difference, if you can, the biggest difference when you become a nurse? Like, what's the biggest thing that you notice? I mean, other than the fact that it's nothing like you expected it to be. Like, what is the (laughs) one thing that you're like, oh my God, if I could share this jewel with Um... everybody? you have time unless you are having a rotten shift which obviously happens super frequently but Mm -hmm. you just have like nursing school like i was saying because the clinical was so rushed and weird and you had to be constantly running around looking for somebody to help you do something Mm -hmm. when i got to do regular nursing and doing the 12s like you just had more time to get stuff done that you needed to get done and so you were able to, because obviously time management ends up being one of the most important and toughest things to master. Of course, and that's what takes you twelve to eighteen months. And that's what takes you twelve to eighteen months. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, well, and, I don't know. I and, mean, I have to think about what like the most significant difference was. Maybe well, I would the say, meds. Honestly, like the accountability for the meds is what felt very yeah. different to me. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't need a cosigner anymore. And there was right. no one looking over my shoulder to make sure things were 
getting yeah. done. And I was like, you better know your shit because you're about to give this stuff. And like, you you know, right. that's, that's going to be fully on you. And there's no one co-signing this. Right. <laughs> oh, if I can give nursing school students one piece of advice when passing meds, especially to little old people... A lot of them don't take a cup full of meds. No. They and will so pour what them on do, their belly. And they will pick them up one by one and, and will, say, what's this one? And they will roll down their chest and it'll be white <laughs> well, pills and white sheets. And they're going to say, where'd that one go? Which one was that? It could be their oxy. It could be their metoprolol. You will never know. Well, I was saying, I was saying they will pick up one pill that is now unlabeled because you right. put them all in <laughs> a say, cup Which and they this? will want it. Yeah, what's this one? So Or no, I, no my metoprolol is normally yellow and you're like, Well it's not here, yeah. just take it. Shut up. <laughs> yes, they do that all the time. Sake. This isn't the this is the blood pressure med I take at home. It is. It's just from a different pharmacy right. company. <laughs> no, the biggest thing for nur- here's the biggest thing for nursing students. You are gonna have to learn to be okay with being yelled at and scolded about things that are so wildly not anywhere near your fault but because you are the face in front of the patient and i don't mean this in a nasty way but like customer service like because you're the person standing in front of them you just have to take the brunt of it and it's not useful when someone's agitated to try and to try and explain that it's not your fault yeah. Now, maybe you can later, or maybe you can explain more in depth the process. But if someone wants to be pissed, they're going to be pissed. And that's just the nature of it is with a high pressure situation, like being in the hospital. And mm-hmm. that's just like, that's part of it. Like, sorry. It's just part of it. Yeah. You just have to take ownership for things that weren't your responsibility. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to say, that's a really good one, by the way, um, because that happens all the time. All the, time. the one thing, the one thing I was going to say is uh, you also have to get really used to being very very flexible mm, that's and such a good being being interrupted all the time it's like ha- it, honestly this prepares you for mommyhood because, i bet i bet um because you will have your checklist of things you need to do and inevitably you will get interrupted on every single one for various reasons. Your assignments will get changed. You will get pulled. You will get floated. You will, you know, it just, you have to be flexible Give a because patient, take an admit, take on a student, oh, take on a trainee. Hey, hey yes. by the way, what? just putting this out there into the universe. If you are on a unit and a nurse gets called in and everyone is giving up one patient to give to that nurse so she doesn't have to take all of the admits, do not give her your shittiest patient. Oh, my God. Absolutely that is such a right. slime. That's a slime ball. And move. guess what? They're always going to remember that you did that and no one's fooled by it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If Because if every nurse gives up their shittiest patient, guess what that nurse who's getting called in is getting? four shitty patients. Right. Guess what's going to happen to you the next time yeah, you're on no call and kidding. get called in. Same with when yep. you're charged and you're making an assignment and you've got a C- or um, central staffing or travel or nurse or something like that. It is not free reign to just give them the worst patients Dump because, on them. because yeah. your nurses need a break from them. No, that's not their responsibility. They're not there to um, to provide you with respite. Like, that's not that's not what their role is. <laughs> but what I was going to say, piggybacking or, or agreeing with, you know, the flexibility, like, I used to feel like I could be able to tell who was going to be successful and who wasn't based on how much they cared about their plan for the day. 
Yeah. You know, you come in with this, like, mm-hmm. really strict schedule. Mm-hmm. You just can't because that's not, like, if you if you want to do that, then you need to go work in somewhere super, super regimented because... Factory. They're in, yeah, right. They're in a <laughs> hospital. Right, that's, if you can't cut as a nurse, as a flexible nurse, then go work in a factory. <laughs> um, but... They're, they're in the hospital because they're sick. There was an NP complaining to me today about how she can never predict how her day is going to go and it's always so chaotic. And I'm like, well, you're an acute care NP in a hospital. Your right. patients are sick. Like, if they were if they were super predictable, they wouldn't need to be admitted. So, right. like, change your, change your perspective a little bit. Like, it's not that you don't get to predict your day. Right. It's that patients are sick. Like, that's that's part of it. And so mm-hmm. you, ha- and like, not even from the patient side, but from a billion other directions too. Like, who knows? Of course. Well, yeah, you get an emit, you have a rapid response. You have a patient who has sudden onset diarrhea. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one. You have a, you have a family member who brings the patient in narcotics. You mm-hmm. have, I mean, there's just so many, <laughs> there's a code gray or a code violet or whatever, God. whatever uh, color you call a distressed behavioral patient. Like... <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, um, there are so many things that interrupt you and you have to be on your toes to, uh, be ready for anything. I have another piece of advice for nursing students too. Um, it's going to sound like in this podcast, like we have a lot to say about nursing students in particular and also new grads. Of course, we, the one thing unifying us is that we've all had to be those roles before. Mm-hmm. But, and so I feel like we talked about in the past, like, the new grad who um, offers to help too much, but doesn't get their own stuff done. Have we talked about mm. that? No. Uh-uh, okay. We haven't. Because, like, I, because what my, my thought was, oh, you know, a good piece of advice is to, if you have a moment and if you are available, always be the one that's willing to help a coworker. Of course. Nursing's a team sport. And it will shape your career in such a good way. If you are mm-hmm. a helpful coworker, you will get that back from people when you need it. Mm-hmm. And yes, but of course the, the one like asterisk to that being like, but you need to get your own shit done too. So like, mm-hmm. don't be helping people so much that like when it's time to pass on to the next person, you've given them a billion things because you were too busy helping people. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but it right. always be the one who's willing to go do a turn or a change. Like, honestly, because it's so much faster with multiple people. You get yep. good at these skills faster. Yep. And then you are going to need that eventually too. And there's nothing like right. when someone who never helps come in and is like, I need help with a, with a change. And everyone looks at each other like, fuck you. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yep. They. <laughs> Nobody wants to run to your bedside if you're not running to theirs. Exactly right. So be, be, do be that person. Um, but you're right. You shouldn't be helping others so much that you have to stay for three hours afterwards to chart. Correct. That's exactly the right way to summarize it. Yes. And, and, you know, the other thing I will say too, is the younger generation, you know, they're pretty adept with computers and things like that. So I suspect computer charting comes pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is if you've, if you're feeling the flow I don't know, you know, it depends on what kind of hospital you're at, but a lot of hospitals nowadays are putting a computer in every patient room. Um, my recommendation, especially when you're new, is pop your assessment in when you're in there. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you, when you're going through charting that assessment, you're going to be like, oh shit, I forgot to 
I forgot to assess yes. this. And, and then you're there, you assess it, and you go. Right. And honestly, I, especially towards the end of my bedside career, I was like, how fast can I be in and out of these rooms? And I know that mm-hmm. my patients suffered because of it. If I had charted those in the rooms, it would have mm-hmm. been a little bit longer FaceTime with the patient just to even shoot yeah. the shit and build that trust a little bit and mm-hmm. not have them feel like I was just running in and out and couldn't have given less shits about them. And like, yeah. You're, and so it's, it's like twofold. One is like, you're saving yourself time ultimately because you're doing it right then and there. You're able to not have to double back. You can address their issues or questions or, or, mm-hmm. you know, things that they need or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, and, and you've spent more time with them where they feel like you're actually like engaged with their care. Right. I think that's great advice. Yeah. This has turned into advice for nursing students instead of, like, <laughs> the fact that nursing school <laughs> yeah. isn't nursing. Let's circle back <laughs> for just a second. Well, that's fine. I mean, is there anything that we can do to engage our non-nursing students in this pod- podcast? I mean, if, if certainly if they have any advice for either new... Because I, I would say nursing school, listen, you're all in it together, there's however many of you, you know, me giving you advice for nursing school, you know, people are going to say study this way or that way. And this worked for me. Everything's going to work for mm. you individually. It, my advice yeah. for, for you is not going to help because right. everyone's going to be a different student. Um, mm-hmm. We have more practical advice for what's going to happen once you leave. I would say just know that it's going to be overwhelming and that doesn't mean that you're stupid or that you're not a good, not going to be a good nurse. It, that's not what it means. Everyone's overwhelmed. Yeah. And if they're not, they're stupid. Because they okay. don't see what's what's what they don't know. Well, that's true. Um, let's talk about as nurses on the floor, and we've I mean we've kind of talked about this before, but let's take it the other side. As nurses on the floor, like when we have a new grad who's just come onto our unit, like what is our expectation of that person? What do we like to see? What do we not like to see? I like to see a ton of questions. I know some people get irritated by that. Especially if, I mean, I, I don't want to answer the same question three times. Like, I mean, write it down if you don't know. But, like, don't say, mm-hmm, 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 the whole day. You need to ask questions because I need to see that your mind's at work. I like to see somebody who's humble mm-hmm. because I really don't like the person who comes fresh out of nursing school and thinks they know everything. Right. Because that is the scariest person to me. Totally. You know what it kind of reminds me of this, like talking about this right now, this is kind of silly because I'm sure there's some nurse out there who's like, no, I want them to be confident. I don't want to have to baby this little like scared, (laughs) whatever, like come out and be confident and we're going to fake it till we make it together. Like it reminds me of like, like dating when they're like, okay, should the man pay? Or not pay. And, like, some women are like, if he doesn't pay, I'm never seeing him again. And other women say, if he doesn't offer, like, if he won't let me split the bill, I'm never seeing him again. And it's like, okay, so there's no right answer. <laughs> I guess technically there's no wrong answer either. And everyone's going to just want whatever they want. It's individual. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But please, what I, you can be confident without being a total know-it-all. Well, absolutely. Don't don't overcompensate. Honestly, no one's impressed by you. You're new. Like you're brand new. Right. You have you aren't fooling anybody into us thinking that you have any level of nursing experience. I don't care. You you do not. So you don't have right. to fake that. Right. Exactly. I think that's for me the biggest thing because when I have 
just when I see students that come out and I, and like I said, I've taught, I've had some really, really amazing students and students that I'd be really proud of, but like they still have to, they have still have so much to learn when they come out of nursing school. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think I was an amazing student in clinical. I was very scared. Oh, I probably was not an amazing student either. I was very nervous about what I didn't know. And I felt like the, my clinical experiences weren't, they, you know, you go into school and they promise you, okay, you're going to learn these things in class and then you're going to go to clinical and you're going to apply it. And either I wasn't <laughs> getting the right experiences or I wasn't connecting the dots, probably a mixture of both. And I felt mm. like I was running around wildly, just like had no idea. I mean, I just remember that being such a scary, awful time. <laughs> and like walking to clinical in the freezing cold at what felt like literally four o'clock in the morning, although of course it was not. And <laughs> you know, oh, the terror. I would you couldn't pay me to go back to it. Ugh, no way. <laughs> Here's a question. I don't. Uh, nursing school wasn't that traumatic. I'm for so me. glad <laughs> that it wasn't. I really was traumatized. Clearly. Um, how soon after graduating did you take your NCLEX? Uh, as soon as I got my ATT. Okay. I didn't, I didn't study for boards. Oh, same. I, I just felt like, now. Sorry to my mother, but uh, I didn't. Caveat here for all listening. We are not suggesting this is the recommended approach. But I, I did, I did not study at all. I didn't do what others did, which was hit the books in a huge way and really regular. I took practice quizzes, but I didn't study for them. Oh, I. I literally did nothing. God, you're so brave. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that. I was just of the mindset. I was just talking to my dad about this, like, the other day, too. I was just of the mindset that I either know it or I don't. I mean, I do agree with that. And that's why I say take it as soon as you can, because you're going to think that you want a break to study, but you learned what Mm -hmm. you needed to learn in school. And, like, you can't study for for a test that, like, technically doesn't have right answers. It just has the most right. the most right answers, <laughs> right. so or the most correct answers. So like, it needs to be fresh. I took mine at the end of July, and I was one of the last you, people to would take. Would you graduate them. May? Yeah, early May. Okay. And I wanted to give myself more time. And like, guess what? Just like I did in school, I didn't fucking study until the last second. So I'm like, why did I wait this long? I could have just taken it on you know the minute after I could, and it wouldn't have been a whole summer yeah. wasted panicked about the fact that I wasn't studying enough. Yeah. Well, we, in my school, we did a program called ATI. We did I don't that know. too. I don't know if it's mandated okay. or not, but we definitely did that. Well, at my school is mandated. I'm sure schools who have paid ATI and adopted right. the program, it's mandated. Right. Some places did the HESI and things what like that. What a scary but... test that was because I, did, wasn't that the one that like predicts your passage but well it wasn't one that that, like it predicts your passage but also gave you a percentage at the end and everyone like everyone i know got below a 60 percent okay so the ati if you're not familiar with the ati the ati is an examination a practice examination for nclex and it has nclex style questions on it for every category of nursing every um court like nursing course so when i took it we had uh ati exams for every nursing course and then we had a master one at the end of the nursing program okay it's coming back okay so (laughs) so the ati um grades you i think 
uh, proficiency one through four, I believe it is. And now you're really taking me back. So if I get it wrong, I'm sorry, but let's go with that so I can <laughs> just make an example. All right. So um, proficiency level four was like, there's a 90% chance you're going to pass NCLEX in this area. And then proficiency level three was something like, there's a 75% chance you're going to pass NCLEX, mm-hmm. whatever. And it kept dropping. And so like our grades were determined, like we got a particular grade based on what our ATI exam was in that course. Um, oh. So at the at the end of every course, you had your grade for your coursework, and then you had, like, 25% of your grade <gasps> came from your ATI score. Well, how swell for them that they just got to, like, hand off a giant portion of I know. a grade to this, like, outside vendor. I know. That's insane. Um, I know. So then at the I'm very end... I'm saying that. End, watch me, like, never have known that that was exactly what my school did, too. And I'm just over here, like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's so It's all right. <laughs> um... And then at the end, you had to do the overall comprehensive ATI. And then based on your score on the overall ATI, you had to do a remediation program. Mm -hmm. And you could not, like, you were done with school, but you could not get submitted for boards until you had completed the ATI remediation. And some people, if they had a lot of areas that were low... Uh, and they took a long time to remediate. They didn't get their clearance for boards till like six months after. Wow. Um, but they were consistently doing this ATI remediation, which I'm sure was, was helpful, helpful studying for boards. I mean, I assume it's because nursing schools need a certain percentage of of, of passage rates. Pass, so they yeah, have passage an, a financial investment in forcing you to do these tests, I assume. Well, I mean, what's I'm what's the point of having nursing school if your students are going to pass? I'm in well, support totally. of the program. And there's and and honestly, how many like a lot of degrees that most degrees do not have a certification or licensure exam. Like, of course, you know, there's right, only sure. a niche amount that do. So, right. um, there's not the same level of marker of success. Now, if you're going to say, okay, the marker of success for an English department is how many students get jobs relevant to their field after they've graduated, Mm-hmm. You know that would it would tank the results, of course, because like right, none of them. Sure. Sorry, everyone, but like, right. <laughs> you know. So oh. we, but we have very, very like quantitative data to say like, yes, your program is good. No, your program is not good. So that's a good point, right? Yeah. So with the ATIs, so I scored proficiency level three and fours throughout the whole thing, and then on my comprehensive one, I got a proficiency proficiency level four, and oh. so I was just like. No, no, no. This is not to be brag- braggadocious or anything like that. This is my whole point is, so I just felt like, I, well, well, because of that, well, because of that, I didn't have to do any remediation. Sure. I didn't have to do like the overall remediation. And so I was like, just submit me, give it to me and let's go. Because at that point I was like, ATI, all the ATIs I've taken have said that I'm likely going to pass. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... I mean, I either, I kind of, I must understand these types of questions, so I'm just going to go for it. You know what's that was funny kind about, of like, about your, your kind of mindset? Mm-hmm, I'm just thinking it's funny because, like, <laughs> the cash cow for a lot of things is um, the different companies that you pay for classes and tests and practice. Mm-hmm. So what a fun, um, like... <laughs> rivalry they must have where ATI you know there there is a level of that where like of course you're invested in them so if you're getting ones and twos 
or even mm-hmm. threes, you're going to want to keep taking, you know, keep using their product and keep taking them and X, Y, and Z. And of course, they're going to have a relationship with the school. But right. then on the flip side, there's all these companies that are like, no, like, don't know that you're going to, you know, don't have any kind of predictor. We want you all to be in a similar, similar level of panic so that you all want to <laughs> take these really, really expensive courses for test prep. <laughs> Now, I would say that, like, the one thing that relieved me a little bit about the NCLEX, as stupid as the whole thing was, is that it wasn't like taking the SATs, where you're kind of like, this is not an accurate judge of my intelligence at all. Standardized tests are so stupid. But, I agree. But the NCLEX felt less like that to me. Is it relevant know. to nursing? No. But, it, like, like the to be a nurse... Because I've known some stupid as fuck nurses who obviously passed their NCLEX. Passed NCLEX. I know. I don't understand this. Well, and it gave me a little bit of hope because I would see these people on the floor and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, if this woman can pass the NCLEX, I know that I can. Well, that I mean, that's kind of the approach I took to it, too. Because, <laughs> like, I, like, not being an asshole, but I'm like, I'm clearly smarter than some of these people. Not all, but I'm clearly smarter than some of these people. Right. And so... I mean, there are some dumb, Ugh. uneducated nurses. Like, I don't know how they pass boards. I legit don't. I don't either. All right. Well, before we get on a whole board topic, we're out of time. Ah! You all are going to get through it because you all have each other. Some stupid AF nurses pass the NCLEX so I know that you can too. And then you're going to go out and you're going to learn how to be a nurse at your own pace in your own way. And it's all going to be fine. Like, it's literally all going to be fine, I promise. That's my piece of advice. I think advice. that's the best the best way to end it. It's literally all going to it's be fine. It's all going to so be just fine. settle yourselves. I love you. We are so far over time. Okay, I love you. <laughs> okay. Good night. And we love, we love all of you. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>